Good morning, Stone Village, and happy Sunday. I hope that all of you are well and safe in this world. All is well in my world. The Lord be with you, and let us pray. Holy One, unseen, you draw near. Unknown, you accompany us. You hear our questions, our knowing and not knowing. You witness our grief and our hope, our journey through this one precious life. This day, Lord, open us to the truth of your love. Open our eyes to see you. Open our hearts to accept you. Guide us to new life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The reading today is from John chapter 20, verses 19 through 29. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As God has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands, and put my finger in the mark of the nails, in my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, the disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Christ is risen, the tomb is empty, but the doors are locked. Resurrected life, it seems, does not come easily. It's been one week since Easter. One week since the confusion and the bewilderment and the excitement. One week since the empty tomb. One week since our first Christ the Lord is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. It's one week after the resurrection, and the disciples are in the same place they were Easter night. They are in the same room, isolated behind the same locked doors. So, if the resurrection is such a life-changing event, why are they hiding in the same place? What difference has the empty tomb made in their lives? How has it changed them? Has it done anything for them? It doesn't look as though it has made much of a difference. They are in the same house, isolated behind the same locked doors as a week ago. 
Which leads me to wonder, one week after Easter, what has resurrection done for you? Is your life different? Do you see the world in new ways? What difference has the empty tomb made in your life over the last week? When I look at my life, it looks a whole lot like it did last Sunday and the week before <laughs> and the week before that. In the past, when I read today's gospel, I was always critical of the disciples, their fear, their isolation. I believed they should have done better. After all, death has been defeated. Christ the Lord is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. So why, why aren't they living differently? <laughs> My past criticism of the disciples was really deflection. What I was really criticizing was my own life. Why isn't my life different after Easter? Why am I stuck in the same place? I should be doing better. I should be living resurrection better, more powerfully, more fully, more authentically than what I am. After all, the Lord is risen indeed. Hallelujah. So is my resurrection faulty? Perhaps broken? <laughs> Over the course of my life in ministry, I've arrived at a simple but profound truth concerning life after the empty tomb. And that is, resurrection takes time. I will say that again. Resurrection takes time. It's not a one-time, one-and-done event. It's something we grow into. It's a process. It's a way of being and living in the world. It is a life to be lived. By the grace of God, we evolve into resurrected people through our relationships our choices, and the circumstances of our lives. Which leads me to wonder if we sometimes come to Easter Sunday and the empty tomb, expecting to wake up on Monday to a whole new life and world. I am guessing you awoke on Easter Monday to the same life and world you had on Good Friday. I did. It's not because the resurrection failed or our resurrection is faulty or broken or because Jesus didn't do the Jesus thing in our lives. No, it's because the Jesus thing takes time. It takes time. So maybe we need to let go of the fact of the empty tomb and start claiming the story of resurrection. There's a difference between facts and story. Facts are one-dimensional. Stories are multi-dimensional. Facts inform the mind. Stories touch the heart. Facts transmit information. Stories transform lives. 
Think about it like this. A fact is static, a snapshot of a particular moment in time. A story, though, is dynamic, like a film or a novel that takes us across time. The empty tomb is a fact. Resurrection is a story. So maybe we need to begin to understand resurrection as the movie of our life instead of a snapshot of Jesus' life. The fact of the empty tomb is not the story of the resurrection. The facts of Jesus' life are not the story of Jesus. The facts of your life and my life are not the story of our lives. The facts are the starting point for the story. The fact of the empty tomb is the starting point for the resurrection story. Whatever facts you woke up to on Easter Monday are simply the starting point for your resurrection story. So what is your starting point? What are the facts of your life today? Whatever your life is today, whatever your circumstances are, that's the starting point for your story of resurrection. And so if you're dealing with deep loneliness, sorrow, and loss, that's the starting point. That's the room which Christ enters. If you're locked in a house of fear and confusion and darkness, that's your starting point in the place which Jesus stands. If doubt or uncertainty are facts of your life, that's your starting point in the place in which Jesus shows up. If you feel lost, betrayed, disappointed, and overwhelmed, that's your starting point in the house Jesus enters. If joy, gratitude, and celebration are the facts of your life today, that's the starting point for your story of resurrection. All of those things I just described, named, and others not described and named, are the starting points of your resurrected life. Don't judge it as good or bad, right or wrong. It's just where you are. And it's the place where Jesus shows up, offering peace and hope and courage and strength to know life differently. And so take a deep breath. Claim the story of resurrection for your own life. Start where you are. Take it all in. Let it fill and enliven you. Be patient with yourself. Be patient with others. Be patient with God. Know that God sees you and knows where you are. New life, new birth, in the best of times, is a process, a journey of becoming. Every day, 
we have this opportunity to step into resurrected life, choosing to accept the life and love God offers us. It's not always easy. In some days, it's just plain hard, but it's there. Resurrected life is there. I promise you it's there for you and for me and for all of God's children. It's there. It's not faulty. It's not broken. Thanks be to God. Amen. I give thanks to God for each of you, and I pray this day you bear witness to the love of God in this world. Bear witness to the love of God so those to whom love is a stranger, they will find in you a generous and loving friend. In the name of Christ Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, amen. I love you, stoners. I hope you have a great day, and I'll see you soon. Bye.